Amen. Well, we got all of you in the choir. Who needs another choir? Great to see you all this morning, and thank you for singing that this morning. Oh, man, I got a question for you. We're walking through the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. If you have a Bible, it'll be on the screen in a minute. But I have a question for you, and here's the question. By the way, is that Nick and Ashley over there? It's great to see Nick and Ashley Adams. He is a associate pastor in what town? Hastings, Hastings, Nebraska. I almost said Oklahoma. And he grew up here and was a part of our youth group and our college ministry and is now him and Ashley are pastoring and they have a baby and they have another one that will be here Tuesday or Wednesday of some week. Uh, Not next week, but we're October. We're so delighted Nick and Ashley are here, and we're proud of you guys for what you're doing. Because you know what? The measure of a church is not how many people that come, but how many people that... Amen. And that's just a blessing that they're here and, and, and they're what they're doing. But I want to ask you this question. Have you ever seen God? What does that conjure up? Glenn, uh, what does that conjure up in your mind when I ask the question, have you ever seen God? I don't know what you think about, but when I pondered that over the last few days, I uh, considered the reality that when you stand on the brim of the Grand Canyon, Re- Romans chapter 1 says that the things that can be known about God are clearly seen in the things that He has made, right? And so we stand, actually the Romans says that all men are going to be without excuse when we stand before God because everything that can be known about God is clearly evident. So in a sense, everybody here has witnessed the character and the nature of God. But, but I want to ask you, I want to probe that a little more. Have you really seen God? And then you think about what Jesus was, and the Scripture says He was the image of the invisible God. And if you have seen Jesus, John chapter 14, He said, If you have seen Me, why are you asking about the Father? If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. But, but yet... All of those things are in some way a veiled image of God. Because how many of you, when I ask the question, have you ever seen God? How many of you thought of a scripture verse that says, no one has ever seen God? And in John chapter 1, it says, no one has ever seen God. The only God is at the Father's side. He has made Him known, though. He's made Him known to us through Christ. In 1 John chapter 4, no one has ever seen God. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 20, God declares, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And then if you remember the story of Samson during the time of the judges in Israel, you remember the story of Samson, the big strong guy? Well, in in Judges chapter 13, his parents, he had seen the angel of the Lord. And his father, Manoah, said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. And certainly what these verses mean is that no one can have a full view of the unveiled God Almighty in our frail human mortal state. Because if we were to come to Uh, in in direct contact with the unveiled, transcendent God, without Christ, we'd be consumed and destroyed, right? But Jesus says, in Matthew chapter 5, we're in the Beatitudes, and we've been walking through them piece by piece. We're in verse 8, and Jesus says something very interesting in chapter 5 and verse 8, when He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. Jesus is no doubt thinking about Matthew, uh, Psalms, rather, chapter 24, which is an Old Testament parallel to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. In Psalms 24, verses 3 and 4, David said, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy presence? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And Jesus says, as he is writing the constitution to this new kingdom that he is introducing, he says, in my kingdom, the people who have a pure heart are going to get to experience and to realize and to be, uh, have revealed to them the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. As I've already mentioned during this study, Jesus is speaking in contrast to the Roman world, which was politically and militarily uh, uh, motivated. He was speaking in contrast to the Greek world, which was intellectually motivated. And he was speaking in contrast to the Jewish world, which was religiously motivated. And he says, there's this kingdom and this kingdom and this kingdom. And I want to tell you something. I've got another kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God, which is at hand. And here are the rules in the kingdom of God for the citizens of the kingdom of God. And he gets to verse 8 and he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will get to experience, to see, to witness the King. I want to talk about this. There's some, there are some words that sort of raise some questions that I want to deal with for just a minute. But before I do, can I just stop for a moment and say this? Let us never forget that as Christians we are first citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And let us not forget that our first constitution is the constitution that Jesus wrote down in the Beatitudes when he says those who will have the full favor and blessing of God are the poor in spirit, those who mourn and repent of their sins, those who are meek and and, and humble before God, those whom God puts in them a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, and those who are pure. And that's always been in Jesus' day and in 2018, that is in stark contrast to the kingdom of this world and the kingdoms of this world have a place the governments of this world have a place and they're all well and good in their place but I want to tell you something Jesus is is radically challenging the way that the, the kingdoms of this world operate when he when he introduces these beatitudes but I want there's really three words that jump up for for explanation the word heart the word pure and the word see. And to understand what Jesus is talking about this morning, I think we need to understand those. Let me, let me just say this. Jesus is introducing to these people and to all of us something brand new, and it's heart transformation. Jesus is introducing heart transformation. He says, blessed are the pure in in heart. You see, in speaking to those who understood the religious legalism, the Jews were all about religious outward religious purity they had all the laws of the old testament that they kept or they or they appeared to keep religiously but not only did these weren't enough and so they had added some seven thousand other laws how to wash your hands how to wash your feet how far you walk on the sabbath how you do this how long your robes were how your tassels were on your robe they had all of these rules and all of these laws and they all, all they knew was outward purity 
That's, and Jesus says, I'm introducing a new, new principle. And in this principle, in the new kingdom that I am standing, that's setting up, the citizens who come through the door and enter into this kingdom and are citizens of this kingdom are going to be good from the inside out. And the Jews are sitting there measuring each other's robes, checking if their tassels are right. Wondering if they washed their hands or if they plucked corn on the Sabbath or if he healed somebody when he shouldn't have done it and whether or not he touched somebody that was clean or unclean. The Jews are all worried about this outward purity. And Jesus is radically changing the way he, 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 they view purity and he is introducing heart purity. Jesus describes a purity that is unique and different from the Jews. Jesus drops a bombshell on their worldview by saying those in my kingdom... Will not, be, will not have the appearance of purity. Those in my kingdom will actually be pure. I want us to, I want us to just stop for a minute and think about that. Isn't that a... Isn't that a did you know there are, there are theologies out there that don't even believe this? That they have this sort of hide-and-seek-with-God kind of theology that says, I'm not really pure, I'm really evil, and, and, and yet... God thinks I'm pure because Jesus is in between. There's a truth to that. There is a piece of that that is true. But Jesus is saying, I want to tell you something. Blessed are the pure in heart. And the word he uses for heart, which you will not find surprising, is a Greek word, cardia. K-A-R-D-I-A. It's a word that is used over 800 times in Scripture, and it never once refers, according to one writer, it never once refers to the blood-pumping muscle that rests in your chest. It's always referring, according uh, to this writer, is referring is used figuratively. It is the effective center of our being. It is the desire producer that makes us tick. It is a word that means heart or mind or character or inner self, will, intention, the center of who we are. It is our core. And Jesus said, in the kingdom that I am setting up, the people here are going to be righteous from their core. That's an interesting thought. That's an intim- How many of you think that's an intimidating thought? You with me? You see, Jesus is interested in our heart. The Jews are running around and saying their prayers out loud so everybody could hear, measuring each other's clothes, acting all religious. And Jesus said, I don't care about that. That's how you get into the Jewish world. And you've got to wear big bag sword to get into the Roman world and you've got to be real smart to get into the Greek world. I want to tell you how you're going to get into my world. That's your heart, your innermost being. And Jesus was concerned. The heart is utterly crucial to Jesus. What you and I are in the deep, private recesses of our lives is what Jesus cares most about. Jesus did not come into this world simply because we had some bad habits. And He wanted to help us break them. He came into this world because we have corrupt and sinful hearts and our hearts need to be pure. On the inside, we're born with this inclination to do wrong. And Jesus is concerned about what we are in our core. Jesus knew that our heart produces and dictates behavior. Matthew 15, verse 18, Jesus says what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that's what defiles you. You see, the Jews, again, were arguing with Jesus, saying, oh, don't eat that, don't eat that. You can't eat that. You've got to put that in the microwave for 30 seconds, not 45. You're, you know, they had all these rules on how you eat and what you eat. 
And Jesus said, I don't think nothing going in here defiles you. What comes out of here defiles you because it's out of your heart. And when you're speaking lies and deceits and corruption, that's not just, that's not just food going in defile. That's something coming out of it. Jesus knew that the heart dictates behavior. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33, Jesus said, a good, true, a good tree produces good fruit. He says in verse 34, you brood, of, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Can I just say this for a minute? Let me just for a minute recapture something that the church needs to recapture. And, and there has been the, the uh, psychological takeover of salvation, and we believe that people just have a head problem, or they just have a hand problem we need a new law or we need another pill and jesus says no you have a heart problem and you need something that can transform you from the inside out i'm not saying that we don't need laws and i'm not, it's not saying that people don't need counseling and they don't need medicine certainly there are those who certainly do and that's all wonderful in its place but i want to tell you something the church is almost almost lost the ability to preach the gospel because we no longer want to say that men and women are inherently sinful. And Jesus says, I want to tell you something. You're born with sin in your heart and you need something to work on you from the inside out. We don't need behavioral modification. We need internal transformation. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus knows only He has the remedy for our heart. All man-made religion deals with the external condition of man, but only the one who created us can reach into our very core and transform our heart. Jesus is describing those in His kingdom who will get close to the King. He is describing the work of God in our heart as we walk with Him. He's reminding us of the genuine nature of His work in our life. As I said, it's not just behavioral modification. It is true heart transformation. So Jesus is introducing heart transformation. Can we just stop for a minute and just ponder that for just a moment and say, Lord, will you help us to experience heart transformation? How many believe that we need to experience that? Anybody with me on that? Let's just, as Eastlake, let's just go on record as saying, oh, we believe that we can help people and we need to counsel people and we've got professional great professional counselors in this church and we need to help people in every way we can but at the root of the problem of mankind is the problem with our heart and oh we need god's grace and that's what jesus is talking about secondly jesus is interested in total devotion he says blessed are the pure in heart Jesus describes the condition of the heart that will get to experience God in a unique and a special way. Because earlier, I mean, in this verse, rather, Jesus has described that there are people, there are people in his kingdom who will not just stand on the Grand Canyon and observe the beauty and the power of God's creation. There are people that will, they they were sitting there looking at Jesus. And he's saying there are people who are even greater, more exclusivity to God than you sitting here, there are those who are going to get to see God in a way that others do not. And Jesus begins and and describes this by, by those who are pure in their heart. What does it mean to be pure in our heart? Obviously, it's a word that means unstained or ceremonially or literally guiltless, innocent, upright. But the, the best way to define that word pure is the word that means, it is a simply meaning it is unmixed 
with its opposite. It is singleness of mind. It is, it, is, it is singleness of devotion and will. It is not double-minded. And so it is not, it, Jesus is not talking about a person who will behave so strictly that their life is so orderly and so perfect that they never do anything wrong that then when they behave so well, he'll let them see God. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a person whose heart is supremely devoted to Jesus' will for their life. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 13 and verse 11, Jesus was speaking to his disciples And in speaking to his disciples, who were not perfect in their behavior, they had some things that fell short of the glory of God. Namely, Peter denied Jesus. Remember that? And listen to what Jesus said. He said, and you are clean. All of you 12 guys are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that is why he said, not all of you are clean. And it's the same word in Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the clean or the pure in heart. And what it means, it doesn't mean perfect performance. It means total surrender. And it means that my heart is totally, 100% desirous to do the will of God. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, you're clean. John, you're clean. James, you're clean. Bartholomew, you're clean, but Judas, your heart is corrupt because you want to follow me on one day and then you love money and love influence and love the acceptance of man and you want, to, you want their approval. And one of you here is not clean. Peter would go on to deny Jesus. His behavior wasn't perfect, but Peter's heart was totally surrendered. He wanted more than anything else to do the will of God. So to be pure in our heart, It is to be single-minded. Purity is forgiveness, which is iniquity removed. And purity is cleansing, which is righteousness within. Christ adding to me that which makes me more like Him. It is the absence of wickedness and the possession of righteousness. The simplest and best way to describe purity of heart is singleness of desire. Kierkegaard said, purity of heart is to will one thing. It's a sobering reality. Can I just ask you this morning, is, is in the core of who you are, the very depths of your soul, is it your supreme and greatest desire to do the will of God and to love God? Judas teaches us that a double-minded heart will get us in trouble every time. But you know what I believe? I believe, sadly, I believe there are a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians who live with a double-minded heart. They want to do the will of God, and yet there's something in their heart that keeps clamoring for self and self's way and carnal carnality and the ways that, that, are, that come from the worst part of our being. And listen, my friend, Jesus is not saying, well, you get yourself perfectly in order and then you'll get to see God. He's saying you must totally surrender and your supreme, the greatest supreme desire in your heart must be to know and to love and to serve me. He gives, us, he gives us that one singleness of mind in Matthew 22, and he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In 1 Timothy 1, 5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And when we come to Christ, God, by Christ, 
grace and the work of Christ on the cross, when we come to Christ, all the sins that we've committed, God removes them from us and forgives them. And, and our, our hands are cleansed from this sin. And then God says in James chapter 4, and we need then to cleanse our heart from that double-mindedness. We need to be pure in heart. It means that we must be totally devoted. Possessing a heart that by the grace of God, repentance of sin and faith in Christ has been made hungry for righteousness and now has one supreme desire, and that is to know and please the Lord. This is the character of purity that we're called to possess as believers. And it is the work of God's grace. It is, the, it is a result of repentance through faith that God begins to work in us and give us a heart that totally longs to do His will. Amen? Lord, give us a, Lord, give us a pure heart. John Wesley taught a lot on this concept. I like, his, I like what he said about perfect love. He said, in a Christian believer, love sits upon the throne which is erected in the inmost soul, namely love of God and man, which fills the whole heart and reigns without rival. Wesley, in sermon number 40, goes on to say that he's not talking about performance that is per- perfect or, or in some way that we're beyond any mistakes or even sins in our life on occasion. He's saying that, that, but that our heart is totally yielded and in love with God. And our heart's greatest desire is to do and to love and to serve Jesus Christ. You know, I think God can, uh, I think God can do a lot with a person whose heart is totally yielded to him. That's a, I think that's a Moody quote. I actually read that this week. Moody said, when, when the preacher who said that, it is yet to be seen what God can do with a heart totally yielded to him. Moody said, it, it haunted me for 12 months. And he said, a year later, I saw that evangelist, and he said, I said to him, you changed my life because for the last year I've been praying, oh God, would you do something in me that would make my heart totally yielded to you? It is yet to be seen in your marriage and in your family and in your community and in this church and in this world. It is yet to be seen what God could do with someone whose heart is totally devoted to Him. Let me, let me give you this thought as we close. Jesus is introducing heart transformation. He's, he's telling us that it's about total devotion. But Jesus is inviting us to an intimate connection. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In the kingdom of God, everyone, walk, everyone who walks into the kingdom of God comes in by the grace of God through brokenness of spirit. But I believe, as Jesus had three disciples out of twelve that were sort of in His circle... I believe, in, and even Wesley taught this, that, that there are those who enter into a relationship with God that is deeper and more meaningful and more powerful because they've chosen to let God do His full work in their life and their heart is totally devoted to Him. And it, those, it is those people who truly get to see Him and experience Him and know Him 
and understand him. You know, you would think a person who's been saved or a pastor who's been preaching for 40 or 50 or 60 years, you would think somebody said, well, I've got it all figured out. I've read it all. I know it all backwards and forwards. I've been over it all over. But what I find is the men and women who know God and have been with him the longest are the ones who are learning things and discovering things that I've never discovered. Why? Because God is allowing them to see more and more and more and more of his goodness and his character and his nature and his glory. He is blessing them with more and more and more of his presence in their life. We are granted, admitted to his presence. We are awed by the glory of his holiness. And we are comforted by his grace when our heart is totally devoted to him. Understanding his, we, we get to understand his nature and character more plainly. Did you know that a wicked heart misunderstands God? A wicked heart misunderstands God? And a pure heart minds the deep resources of the truths of God? It, we, we get to know him and to see him in, when we experience his power and his presence personally? Can I, how many of you know this morning that spending five seconds in the presence of God Almighty with Him in full control of your life is more meaningful than a hundred sermons? How many of you know that the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life at home or at work or on the road or in the car, the personal working of the Holy Spirit in your life is more powerful than anything I can say here on Sunday morning? Why? Because God, Jesus is saying to us, oh, those whose heart is singly devoted to Him, those whose, heart, those whose heart is totally trusting in Him and long nothing more. Oh, their behavior may not be perfect. Now they've got to make things right. and They've got to ask for forgiveness. And they gotta, their behavior is, sometimes falls short of the glory of God. But their heart is singly devoted. He said, those are the ones that are going to get in the kingdom. But not only are they going to get in the kingdom, I'm going to say, come here, let's go see the king. And the king's going to come see you. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There is, and I'm, I'm going to use this word on purpose, there is an experience with God that is reserved for those who totally devote themselves to the will and the purposes of God for their life. Let me say it again. There is an experience of God that is reserved for those who totally devote themselves to the will and the purposes of God for their life. And I ask you this morning, what is holding you back? What is holding you back? What would cause you to say, oh, I'm just a little... Because what we know in every heart and in every life, there's there's the opportunity to reserve for ourselves and our own ambitions and our own desires. There's an opportunity to hold on. We're afraid to yield to God. But I want to tell you something. There is an experience with God that is reserved for those. According to Jesus, there is an experience with God reserved for those who yield themselves totally to the will and the purposes of God for their life. Oh God, I want... You to have full control of my life. Amen? I want to see God. Then we will see Him in our face-to-face encounter on the last day. Amen? Paul said, we now see through a glass darkly. Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow peace with all men and pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And by His grace... And by His glory and by His goodness someday, He's going to move the window that stands between us. And we're really going to see with unveiled faces the glory and the presence of God. I like McLaren's exposition, if you'll indulge me as the musicians are coming. He says this, and I like this so well. 
He says, an unnamed mountain, on an unnamed mountain, somewhere on the Sea of Galilee, is the Sinai of the New Covenant. Let me explain that. So Jesus is on an unnamed mountain in the Matthew 5. Somewhere on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is on an unnamed mountain. And he said, this is the same thing in the New Testament that happened in the Old Testament when God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai to Moses. And the contrast between the savage desolation of the wilderness and the smiling beauty of the sunny slopes where Jesus is sitting symbolizes the contrast and the genius of the two codes given from each. There, in the Old Testament, God came down in majesty and the cloud hid Him from the people's gaze. And here Jesus sits amidst His followers, Emmanuel, God with us. And the king proclaims the fundamental laws of his kingdom and reveals much of its nature by the fact that he begins by describing the characteristics of the citizens of the kingdom of God. And each beatitude springs from the preceding. All are twined together to make an ornament of grace upon the neck, a chain of jewels around the citizen. If detached from its connection, there is little blessedness in the next beatitude. He goes on to say, what is the use of telling us how happy purity, a pure heart will make us? It only provokes the despairing question, how can I be pure? But when this word of purity is set in its place, it brings hope. For it teaches that purity of heart is the result of all that has gone on before, of poverty of spirit and mourning over sin and meekness and hunger and thirst after righteousness and mercy. It teaches that purity is from all that God's gone before comes from that purifying, which is the sure answer of God to our poverty, our mourning, and our longing. This purity increases so, as this purity increases, so does the vision of God grow. The more the glasses of the telescope are cleansed, the brighter does the great star shine to the gazer. He goes on to say, the sight of God makes us pure. And the purity helps us see God. Thus heaven will be a state of ever-increasing, reciprocally acting sight and holiness like Him, because we see Him, we shall see Him more because we have assimilated what we see. As the sunshine opens the petals and tints the flower with its own color, the more deeply, the wider it opens. Oh God, make me pure. Help me to see You. Amen. I have a question as we close this morning. I just think it would be good for us to pause and reflect and ponder oh God would you search my heart David prayed Lord search my heart see if there's any wicked way in me you say Pastor Troy what are you trying to do give me to be some perfect no 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 I'm trying to, to help us to understand that the greatest blessing is when our heart is totally yielded to God our behavior will always need God's grace and help and strength but 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 it's an it's an inward cause issue, the cause of a heart being totally surrendered creates an effect of our behavior becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me and pray, oh God I'm not the only one I'm sure here in the chapel online who need your grace in our life. We want to know it and experience it, Lord, 
as you have taught it to us in the Beatitudes, that the members of the kingdom of God, the citizens of the kingdom of God, will be transformed from the inside out. Lord, I'm thankful this morning, and we rejoice that there is no life so twisted that your grace and your power can't straighten it out. There is no marriage so broken that, Lord, your work on the inside of the couple's hearts can't begin to change and modify and transform from the inside out. And, oh, God, this is our prayer. I want to be a pastor who sees God on a daily basis. I want to, we want to be a church that sees, experiences, understands, knows the power and the presence of God. Oh, God, would you help us this morning in, only that, in ways that only that you can. Lord, I pray this morning for every person here, those listening and watching next door. I pray for them, oh God. You know, Lord, there are no doubt many here this morning who are wrestling with that double-minded, that double-minded heart that James talks about. Oh God, may it even be now that they surrender their whole heart to you and let you become their one supreme desire. We love you, Lord. We trust you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, how many of you would say, Pastor Troy, I want to be all in. And the Lord has spoken to me about some areas in my own heart that I need to surrender this morning. An area or two that's been yet, yet not surrendered. I just simply raise my hand and put it down again quickly. God bless you and you, many. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, you see our hearts. You know our desires, oh, God. You know the heart of every person here. Would you make us pure by your grace and by your power and by your spirit? And may we leave here, Lord, today with a heart singly devoted to your will for our life, that we might love you with all of our heart and all of our soul, mind, and strength. Pray this today. We pray that East Lake would be a church marked by this, that our ministries would be marked by this. Oh, Lord, we pray today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about East Lake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at Eastlake SML. Thanks for joining us.